podcast from Two and Mike is, I think it's really cool and um, that is what I wanted to say. Two and a mic. Tatiana works for The Economist and is involved in some extremely important work promoting the blue economy and through the principles inherent in the way The Economist works, ensuring that diverse voices are introduced in every panel and event. She also works in voluntary organizations and does so as tirelessly as though they were her main vocations. This says more for Tatiana's character than any words I might use to introduce her with. Tatiana was one of my first guests, and though work doesn't allow her to participate so often, her words are always measured, her thoughts quick and witty, and her analysis direct and to the point. I really appreciate her disagreement, because her opinions are informed and her conclusions always worth considering. Thank you, Tatiana, for your time. Tatiana... It's great to have you back. How are you? Hi, Zach. It's great to be back. Thank you for inviting me. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, busy as always. Not quite as busy as you, though, because you've also been on another podcast. How did that come about? <laughs> yes, I was. Um, in fact, it was through a, um, a fellow alumna that I met. What was it? Last year or the year before? Um, there was a networking event and uh, Miles and I just got to talking. We, we share a lot of similar interests and he's a storyteller. He's a content creator. And he just started a new series um, for uh, Free Range. And he invited me to participate and cover off storytelling, um, you know, storytelling in, for media organizations and, um, and sort of focusing on topics that are linked to um, the SDGs. So yeah, it was really fun to be mm. part of that. Yeah, I listened to it actually. I was very entertained. Um, I, I did like the the approach, which, um, as you say, it's very much sort of storytelling based. Um, uh, yeah, he had some funky questions for you. So um, yeah, uh, did they did they throw you a bit the questions? Because you had to think about some of your favourite stories from <laughs> the olden times. I mean. We, no, no, I didn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, you know me, I love talking, but. Um, no, but it was nice because it, it it was a nice little trip down. Um, it was a little it was a nice little trip. But no, they were they were great questions, and Miles is very good actually. It, um, mm. I, I I I was saying to him, I think he's got like a natural podcaster, interviewer voice type. Mm. There's such mm. a thing. Yeah, well, apparently there is. I, I, I'm not familiar with it, but um, yeah, cool. It was good to hear you speaking with somebody else in, in a recorded fashion. Um, well, you know, I also interviewed, um, I interviewed for once, I wasn't going <clears> to, <throat> I actually interviewed um, a, an LA Armenian producer um, about his very cool album, which I discovered last year. Um, we talked a little bit about it. It's it's a compilation album of old classic um funk disco type Armenian music from the 70s which I'd never heard of until I came across this album so yeah I um it was a, I'll send the link actually maybe I didn't share it with you 
No, I think you sent me a link, but I thought it was just to an article. I didn't realize it was a link. There was also a link to uh, your interview with him. That would yeah. be cool. Yeah, yeah. So for once, I wasn't doing talking and I was listening and learning from somebody new. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that I'll have to listen to. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed your your um, bedtime stories on Simon de Bois. So well done, you on um, on bringing back to life some very important figures of history. Yeah, I mean that that's a great uh, concept. This uh, bedtime with Wikipedia from Schönlein Media. So I mean they're really successful in Germany. I think they're like uh, that podcast that they have is Einschlafen mit Wikipedia uh, for those who want to hear something in German. Um, I think it's something like in the top ten um, of German podcasts. So they're doing really well, um, and uh, they want to yeah they're trying to create uh, something similar in the um, English speaking market. And that's bedtime with Wikipedia. And uh, yeah, it's, it's actually quite fun um, to do these topics because uh, a lot of them I'm really interested in. So, um, yeah, it's it's strange, though, because it's only reading and it's, there's no actual interaction. So it's a bit different to what I normally do. So, yeah, but, uh, but there you go. No, that's okay. great. I really mm. enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that, actually. Good, 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 good. Um, yeah, but you are so busy. Um, it's almost impossible to get you on these things. I have to like book you with, through an agent like months in advance. Um, but you've been doing what you do with um, yeah, your environmental work, water projects, conferences. I mean, you, you, you get some really influential people together, don't you? Yeah, it's, um, so we we had the summit in March. I think we spoke after that, um, mm. and that was a huge success. We're now full swing into planning for um, World Ocean Day, which is coming up on June the 8th. We're going to be hosting a webinar, um, and we're going to be focusing on the Changemaker Challenge, which is that we're running, that we um, announced the 2022 um, submissions for at the World Ocean Summit. Um, there'll be a focus on it on World Ocean Day and then um, planning underway for the World Ocean Tech and Innovation Summit, which will be taking place in Canada in October. And then the Asia Pacific Summit coming up in Singapore in late November. And then, of course, the global event in uh, February, March. And then, of course, in between all of that, there is, of course, UN Ocean, uh, which is going to be huge. It was due to take place in um, before the pandemic. Obviously, it's been delayed now and finally happening end of June this year. So, again, I think we're going to see, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, they said that there's 900 organizations that have applied to attend UN Ocean. And it's really challenging trying to get accreditation at the moment because, you know, everyone and their mother wants to attend. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, can you talk a bit more about this then, uh, the Ocean Initiative and what all of these things are and the summits that you've already done and just in case people don't have that background? Yeah, of course. So um, so the Economist's um, World Ocean Initiative is a mission-driven project around how to create a sustainable ocean economy. We do this through um, events that we run annually and, um, of course, through storytelling and sort of research-based projects. So we work with a number of different organizations to help bring to life some of the key challenges affecting the ocean and its health and looking at how, um, you know, some of what those solutions are. So anything from shipping and decarbonization to uh, plastics in the circular economy to um, the impact on, on uh, the impact of tourism, 
um, fisheries, food security, and so on and so forth. Mm, okay. Now, I know because you work in such a professional capacity and with governments and uh, you know, other sort of NGOs, I presume, um, you have to take a very, how should I say, professional approach. Um, whereas from the stuff that I've read, um, and I'm basing a lot of this on information that I've received from either the BBC or The Guardian, um, which I still consider to be two respectable um, news publishers. A, a lot of the stuff that the pharmaceutical, sorry, pharmaceutical, that the petrochemical industry uh, has said that they're doing, it's not just greenwashing, it's bullshit, basically, isn't it? And um, yeah, I can say this. I know you can't. Um, but no, I disagree with you as well. I do think there's a lot of efforts that are being made. I, I think that they're a bit slow. Of course, everything is moving slower than what you anticipate. Okay, but what about these carbon bombs? Because these guys are basically betting that governments will not pull their fingers out. Um, and so basically they will be able to continue investing in um, carbon fuels for the next 20 or 30 years, opening up new new mines um, and you know, tapping oil reserves for decades to come. So they don't give a shit. This no, is what, this look, is what I, I mean. No, I, look, I think the biggest challenge is um, government and businesses aligning, um, you know, on a shared agenda. And I think sometimes governments move slower than businesses need. The other thing is that businesses have to be forward thinking because if they don't, legislation will not um, will be introduced that will not actually help address um, their concerns. Uh, so it's very important for businesses and governments to be aligned, and it's not actually in their interest for them to move slowly because it impacts it impacts their um, their businesses as well. You know, your clients expect you to be operating to a certain level, um, so you you have to you have to be able to address that. The challenge is that every country operates differently, and when you're a multinational and you're dealing with multiple governments and legislation, then it's um, it becomes a bit um, it, 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 it's it's not as it's not as straightforward as as it might appear, and you know that's me, that's that's my take on it at least anyway. You're such a diplomat. <laughs> well, I think you have to you have to weigh things up from all angles. I think it's very easy to it's easier to criticize than to understand all parties. I see. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to leave this in. Yeah, I'm not going to edit this out because it's cool to have people who disagree with me. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <Listen>, <laughs> everyone thinks that everyone thinks that solutions are can be easily found and that everything is simple, right? Every, most we, we kind of assume that everything can be made black and white. Sometimes it's easy. Uh, solutions can be easily found, right? But the the real issue is, are you really are you creating a sustainable solution or are you just basically putting a band aid onto something? Um, mm. If you really want to create something long lasting, uh, then you really need to delve into the challenges and the issues. And that requires asking certain types of questions, having, you know, protracted discussions and, and research and so on and so forth. And these things do not um, they don't happen overnight if you're looking mm. for real solutions. At least. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think people should just like park their cars wherever they want, M25 or on the side of the street. Um, I mean, let's face it, parking your car on your M25 is quite easy anyway. Um, walk out, 
go home, um, stop flying planes, and let's just reset, um, see where we are. Um, yeah, and and then basically come up with um, you know these any kind of solutions which basically allow us to live without using up all of our resources. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but I, I was in, my point is that we as people are relying on others to make decisions for us, be them governments or organisations or companies, um, multinational and so on. Um, and, and I can I understand why you have such a positive take on the responsibility felt by these petrochemical companies. Uh, or, as you know, I disagree. Um, but I think we should do our bit without waiting for uh, governments well, to make this. Put it this way. You need full participation from across the entire ecosystem to affect, to have to create positive impact. Right. And the onus is on us and it's on the businesses and it's on governments and it's on um, the broader civil society, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like this age-old thing. Does, is policy influenced um, by by public um, action or is um, is it the other way around, right? What is it that, um, you know, how, how do you how do you affect change? Um, you know, we, we live in a world where you do not have political participation at the level that it should be at to ensure that you are truly living in a society that feels democratic. Okay, you just need to look at the way that um, political elections are going on to kind of get a sense of how engaged people are. And you can blame it on all sorts of different factors. Um, but you know, you've got to figure out how to motivate the unengaged, the disengaged and non-political people because there are a lot of people out there who are not political and they're fine about not being political. And that's fine too, by the way, because we all have different interests. And I keep saying this to people who get enraged by the younger generation who they claim are not so engaged. They are, they're just engaged in different ways. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that um, with regards to the um, depoliticization of society. Um, I, I think the problem is that people just, they say, oh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered because the politicians won't change. So, I mean, if just looking at the UK, you can see the kind of corruption where governments just the government just simply gave lots of these multi-million pound contracts to friends. Um, you can see the, you know, the lies from uh, Boris Johnson et al. And they've all been caught out with this party gate. You know, people look at this and they just say, I can't be bothered. And and it's from every side. I mean, you know, uh, Corbyn was, you know, he sort of swept into leading the Labour Party with this, you know, our popularity. Um, you know, I can't remember which. Um, uh, what was that? Um, the concert he attended and everybody was singing his name and blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, in the end, what did he achieve? Uh, you know, he. He created huge problems for the uh, Labour Party with, uh, you know, some of the claims that he was so anti-Jewish, and you know, he still hasn't provided a, a an acceptable apology um, for some of the the things that happened during his time. So, as if people look at all of these political parties and think, nah, they don't represent me. So you know, well, exactly, and frankly, you know. I mean, I, I, I've never been a fan of Corbyn's and um, I always knew a lot of what he was talking was fluff or actually, OK, let me let me clarify. 
I've always had the impression that he's more fluff than he is substance. Um, and he causes a lot of problems with the Labour Party. And I'm not a I'm not a Labour voter, but I really I empathize um, with many of people that I know who have been longstanding Labourites um, who, you know, at some point weren't didn't feel comfortable within their own party. I mean, th- there should never be a scenario where you do not feel comfortable within your own political party, um, especially when you have been a longstanding party member, you know, um, leaders are not meant to sort of um, ostracize people for not following their their lead. Um, but also, it's the age old thing, which I believe is be wary of the um, of the populist. Mm. Yeah, but the problem is that there's no party that monopolizes populism because they're all at it. You know, they're all chucking in their populist statements and this and that. And there's no party yeah. of substance anymore. And um, well, the Liberal Democrats are quite so they've got substance. They don't, their only challenge is that they don't they're not international enough. They're not thinking big picture. They're, they're, they've got um, they think locally and it's it's wonderful that they do that. But, you know, it doesn't instill faith in one to think that they could handle not just local issues and, and regional issues but national issues and international issues that's that's their challenge they need to figure out how to get that buy-in that's my um yeah that would be my challenge to them but they're still ideologically elitist uh i mean this concept of a free market and this will solve everything it's it's just not going to do the job because you know a lot of people they require um regulation Uh, You know, just just simply consider uh, the world to be broken down into a number of little markets which can regulate themselves. Um, This doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Um, And even under neoliberalism doesn't work. Well, it has. It has to a certain point. Um, Of course, no, I think I disagree with that. I think it has worked (laughs) to a certain point. Of course, you have to adapt. The world is changing. Of course, we have to adapt. I mean, you know, you, you do have to change your view slightly and, and, and as I say adapt to the, to the current system or the realities that we're facing I think the, the biggest I think the biggest question mark for me is where are the new ideas right where I, I, I keep saying this to certain people and they look at me like I'm saying something crazy but you need you, you need to sort of we need to stop looking to the past for the solutions for the future when these ideas, a lot of the political ideas and, and economic ideas that came that came about were based on the current the challenges of the time, we're still so focused. I mean, you know, when I when I hear people talking about the merits of socialism or whatever have you, it, it, I personally find it hysterical. Like it's it's just a bit it's all a bit crazy. Well, I mean, call it by anything you want, whether it's socialism. I mean, socialism's got a bad tag, which it doesn't really deserve. Um, but there are so many different kinds of socialism. I mean, it's it's yes. pretty much unclear what exactly somebody yeah. is referring to when they say I'm a socialist. But yes, I, you, that, that's exactly that's exactly true. And a lot of people also don't really understand its correlation with communism. Um, everyone has a different idea about what it actually means. Um, I think that society uh you know i think it's fair to say that we are all on a journey together i think most of us share our concern for the world and its its health and um the well-being of of society and humanity and we care for each other i'd like to think that a lot of us 
you know, the majority of us around the world have these common interests. Um, but it's about finding the, the middle ground between all these other issues um, that affect us. Hmm. I'd, I'd love to have a, a debate with you about um, the, the what you would consider to be the merits of a sort of free market. And I could, you know, um, make a few observations about yeah well, yeah i mean it's i mean you know how it is because i'd like to disagree with you but at the same time i want to you know hear you out as in and i want people to be yeah. able to hear your words as in i'm not going to jump in and stop you from talking because that's bullshit but i didn't have a proper discussion about these things but um yeah maybe next time if, if you want because I'd, I'd love to hear that we can do that that's uh, sure we'll have a we'll have a nice interesting um let's call it a discussion Absolutely. All right. The uh, the gauntlet has been laid down. We shall see what comes up. Um, but it's cool that we've sort of entered the political debate, having moved on from the water um, uh, topic that we were discussing earlier. But, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to discuss with regards to that. Um, actually, no, let's let's finish the, the topic with water and then we'll jump into the politics. All right. So you've got lots of conferences coming up. Um, so the UN one, as you said, is the end of June. And then there is, at the, in October is which region? Uh, Canada. Canada. And then November, Singapore, you said. Yes. And then yeah. Portugal uh, for, um, uh, Portugal for, for the Global Summit next February, March. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Um, and what do you have to to do for for these events? Um, what's your goal for, for for these summits? So my role is um, to ensure that we have that it's uh, successful financially um, and make sure we have enough um, sort of sponsors supporting the event, but also helping these organisations, um, you know, get full advantage out of being part of this of, of this event as you mentioned earlier that you know there's this huge um, engagement um, at our summit we get a lot of high level attendees participating so one of the key things are that takes place at these summits are the sort of um, behind the scenes discussions so um, there's a lot of sort of side sessions that might take place um, which addresses some key concerns for some of our clients but also you know allows them to have high-level discussions with certain individuals and organizations. Um, It's it sort of the event itself is very well known because of the fact that there are a lot of partnerships that have um, developed on the back, off the back of the event, um, relationships that have been created, initiatives that have been launched, um, um, major announcements, you know, taking place at the summit. So it's very much, um, it's used by a lot of different organizations for different reasons but all to do with sort of helping bring a lot of these stakeholders together, people that may not have known each other previously and allowing for new ideas, new solutions and collaborations. Mm. I mean, I, I, I follow as many as possible um, organizations, NGOs, which are really involved in trying to come up with initiatives of a sustainable nature um, with innovative design and intention. And I think it's fantastic that there is such um, a broad spectrum um, of organizations that come together. Perhaps it's because of the initiatives, such as the one, uh, the summit that you're talking about. But I mean, they find expression in many different areas. And it's not necessarily specific to um, the ocean, the World Ocean Initiative, but also introducing, you know, 
equality within sustainability or giving voices to different areas or different um, elements of society, you know, because mm. these will naturally produce different kinds of innovations that hadn't necessarily been considered. Um, I don't know if that's a bit abstract or not, but for example, no. you know, women There's in sustainability, you know, or people from different cultures and involved in, you know, sustainability, uh, you know, because we don't all use water the same way. And there are some cultures which have used water for thousands of years in a completely different way, which for us now would be, oh, well, that's really in innovative. No, we, we are, we are very, I mean, the economist broadly is very inclusive. Um, we do not ever host or we aim to never host um, all male panels. Um, we always have voices from different parts of the world participating on our panels, in our discussions, especially on a topic like ocean sustainability, the impact that um, the ocean has on small island states versus much larger states, um, overfishing in certain regions um, by much larger countries. You know, there's also there's a host of challenges and you cannot you cannot. Um, come up with anything sustainable without all um, voices being heard. And the issue of women is also very important. Um, for a long time, you wouldn't really see a lot of women participating, and that is that is changing. Um, and, you know, we are, well, I think that it's fair to say that we make sure that there is, prop, you know, proper representation from, acro from across um, community, whether it's on the ground, um, activists to uh, sort of, you know, ministerial heads of state level. Mm. Yeah, this is what I wanted to highlight is basically because it's great to see um, and great to read. Uh, I, I try to follow as much as I can um, because we've got a lot of catching up to do. So it's wonderful that these summits um, create more possibilities um, for other voices to be heard. So my compliments to you for that. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um, but moving on to a, uh, a hazy political topic where um, it has been, um, yeah, how should I say, um, maneuvered in some ways by uh, a female politician. So Priti Patel, um, mm -hmm. the Home Secretary and Rwanda, um, uh, an unlikely partnership in many ways. I I've been asked about this by students in Berlin. Um, What's the gig, Tatiana? <laughs> Haven't you heard? We're sending people to uh, to Rwanda to help address uh, human trafficking. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. So we're uh, trafficking people ourselves. No, it's it, we're legitimately finding a sustainable <laughs> solution to uh -huh. uh, migration, of course, uh, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna address the issue of. Um, of human traffickers. It, it, the whole thing is just ridiculous. I mean, I wish somebody had to built a better narrative around that than just saying that because it really doesn't hold true. And it's very, um, I don't know, just it, 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 it just eerily, I don't know about you, but it just reminds me of when the Germans um, wanted to send people to Madagascar. I'm, I'm like, how is this any different? Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I guess there are a number of different historical events that took place where people sent a certain category of individual from one country to another, um, and they yeah, rarely uh, ended 
positively, at least, you know, in the short and middle term or medium term. Yeah, um, I mean, mm. but I, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, I mean, again, I, I don't know, maybe there's been a discussion with the Rwandan government and they're saying, yes, we want to expand, you know, um, our population by X amount and so on. Fair enough. Um, but um, it, it's 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 a very, very strange very strange policy. It's very, um, I think, um, it's it's a backward it's a backward policy, frankly. I mean, I mean hot on the heels of the Windrush scandal, um, mm. you know, to, to kind of then introduce this type of policy. I mean, we're talking Rwanda, um, you know, which has not been without its own problems in, in yeah. recent years either. So. It, they, they've yeah. jailed. I mean, it, it, they have some, con, you know, questionable. Um, they've made questionable decisions. I mean, they've got a man held. Um, you know, they illegally diverted a plane, and they've, you know, held someone in Rwanda illegally, technically, for however long. So, you know, uh, yeah, questionable. Yeah. yeah. So, is, I mean, if, if I mean, because my so my students when they ask me, I, I tried to give them a completely neutral perspective, but I, I found it extremely difficult in any way to 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 defend the policy. I mean, is there any sense that you can say, okay, maybe this, or is it just absolute rubbish? No, I mean, look again. It, the argument is that we're addressing the human traffickers, and it's not it's not the you know we want to sort of we want to sort of break the crime ring. Um, frankly speaking, you know, you're not going to do that by, there's there's a huge issue with human trafficking and it's much broader issue than that. Um, you know, I remember years ago, there was a thing that, um, there was a, something that Interpol was doing, which was trying to raise awareness about the links between human trafficking, wildlife um, poaching, and how these, and, and I think it was also drug trafficking, I can't remember, but you know how these things are all intrinsically linked. Um, people, there will people will always find ways to take advantage of um, people in need. And you know, I, I just I I I don't really I agree with you. I just I don't really I don't get the policy. I don't understand how anyone thought that this was a brilliant idea to introduce and promote. You know, in a or in a government that's already heavily challenged and really trying to you know, it's, it's it's underperforming so abysmally, and you're just wondering who the, who thought this was a great idea. Yeah, um, I, I mean, we we still have zero actual guidance on the Northern Ireland situation with regards to Brexit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, th this was just another one of those sort of wishy-washy. We'll get it done. <laughs> no, you won't. Uh, you know, is is the answer. And um, yeah, I think uh, the people of Northern Ireland are, you know, are still sort of, um, yeah, yeah, very much in the dark. Um, I, I guess in some ways um, feel a bit betrayed, um, at least some portions, with regards to what the, the you know, the British government promised them. Um, so there are concerns about how that will happen. As as to relying in any way on some of these policies, um, purely on the basis that the Tories have a reputation for getting things done. Well, if they ever did, I'm not sure, but not for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, this is controversial, but I actually think Cameron's uh, government was actually all right. Um, <laughs> he created this crap in the first place with the well, referendum. Yes, okay, fine, but you know, hindsight is a wonderful <laughs> thing. Uh, 
you know, Scotland didn't go independent. So I think they thought, oh, let's try this one out for size as well. Yeah. yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Anyway, listen, you can't, you can't, you know, you make mistakes. We are not infallible. And um, some people just don't, uh, like with this policy, you don't uh, test, or what is it? Yeah, you don't get a, um, you don't test the room temperature before putting something out. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I think, look, I. I is that I, actually a saying? Yeah. Check the okay. room temperature. Yeah, you should, right? Or what is it? Know your what was it? When my sister makes inappropriate jokes, I'm always looking at her. I'm like, know your Good audience. God. Know okay. your audience. <laughs> but anyway, um, I no, I disagree with that. But I I do think that this government is they're they're lost. And I I really I don't know. 2024 feels like a long time away. Um, and I just see a lot of like just more gaffes and mishaps and scandals just popping up over the next two years if it gets to another two years otherwise mm. we'll be in a general election yeah yeah no i i wasn't at all trying to uh, sort of re-argue um brexit because that's definitely been decided um but Unindusted. yeah yeah of course it's gone um <laughs> but the but the issue is the organization of it and that remains yes. yeah it's absolutely chaotic um and brexit, yeah, okay. brexit what is it Brexit for opportunities or future opportunities. Anyway, whatever. I, no but I will say one thing. Um, I, you know, as a as a former Bremainer, because you know I have now come to terms with the reality. Mm. Um, it's called, you know, maturing. Um, I, <laughs> I recently was in in um, Paris, and I had completely forgotten about the benefits of um, Brexit, which is shopping and tax back. So you know. I pay and then I get my I get a portion of my tax back. So hey, you know, it's not all bad. Okay. Yeah, but then you have to pay import duties if you buy something in another country outside of the UK. No, you don't. If you're buying something it's it's pretty standard. You can do tax back when you go shopping in the um in the US. It's it's only if you were shipping it in um that that would be an issue. Uh-huh. Okay. But at least you found one thing that you can probably point your finger at. I, I don't know if that actually counts, but um, we'll just say it does because you said it. Um, all right. So basically, you have no idea about this uh, policy of sending people to Rwanda. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's it seems ridiculous. I think most people agree that it's ridiculous. I think that there's a court challenge uh, going on about it um, right mm -hmm. now. So yeah, it, it, I mean, I, 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 the, the arguments for it are very weak. So um, my opinion on it is that it is it's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily the British Supreme Court has. It doesn't reflect sense. the global Britain ambition that we have. No. Okay. But I was just going to say they're lucky the British Supreme Court has more common sense than the American Supreme Court, at least at the moment. But we're not we're not going to talk about that. Um, but Priti Patel, how is she still in a job? Because she has to be, I don't know, uh, just a, a walking. Um, how can I say uh, she's just controversy, isn't she personified? Um, no, I mean, Boris Johnson is controversy. No, he's he's just ridiculous. He's an absolute plant. Yeah, she's, but she's she's one of the um, the sidekicks, you know, like the the entourage of of the UK that TV show. But um, 
Gee, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know. We've, we've had better, um, you know, it, it makes Theresa May look like an angel, frankly speaking. Um, yeah, and, and she she was horrible in, in well, the, the whole know, office. Yeah, I, I think, see, I think that Theresa May gets a lot of flack for, for doing a lot of things, and I actually think she was, she was decent. I, I, I still think she was a good prime minister. Um, I okay, liked her. Because we can, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, she it's will never live message. down she will never never live down dancing queen yeah that is <laughs> or yeah, running in the field that was just absolutely pathetic um, I don't know what that was about but I mean was, wasn't Pretty Patel didn't she was um, I think fi- fired she was fired from a previous position wasn't she because she went to sort of on her holiday secretly negotiate with yeah. um other countries um yeah. officials wasn't yeah. she yeah yeah yeah, yeah and so actually she... that was during may's time and may took decisive action she's been yeah. bullying um and not much has happened since then mm. um but it's it's uh it's a it's not just her it's a collection in in the current uh government so i i i think it's easier to demonize Patel because um, it, it feeds into our gender bias um, view of women. Mm. Um, it's like years ago I had this discussion as I was saying, oh, look at some of the biggest um, corporate bankruptcies were um, were because women were in charge. And then I remember a couple of, you know, I had this huge debate with them about it. And then years ago I had this, uh, no, actually about a year ago, or was it a couple of months ago, I read this article about how um companies tend to bring in women when they're on the brink of a disaster because um, mm. it's easier to scapegoat them. And then think Theresa May and Brexit. It was, you know, it was a walking time time bomb and um, it was always going to be challenging. And it's easy to blame her for things not moving like the way they should have. But frankly speaking, I think she did as much as she could with what she had at the time. Yeah, I'm not blaming Theresa May at all because she was dealt a bad hand from the start. She wasn't she wasn't a Brexiteer either. And so she, I think, was just the wrong person uh, at the wrong time um, in in as much as that is concerned. Uh, But I mean, the gender bias um, argument against Priti Patel, that doesn't work for me because I think she is demonic and that's got nothing to do with her gender whatsoever um i i'm very supportive of um all non-male and non-binary genders um in politics but pretty patel she crosses so many different lines for so many different reasons for me um yeah. i think she's just, I, I, she's just cruel well look i yeah i mean look i don't personally know her so i i can't call i can't say that she is or she isn't i'm sure she's nice to her family um I hope so <laughs> <laughs> but my my thing is that yes I, I i can understand that but i um i think there's a there are many bad actors um at the moment with with the poor judgment all around but it's interesting how much the media plays up to the whole patel thing versus mm. others um mm. on the team as well so that's that's my only thing my only comment on that but yes yeah, i mean you know i I think with any sense, they would have sort of moved, probably done a reshuffle and, and moved people around by now. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, she must be extremely intelligent and capable, the fact that she keeps sort of coming back and being put into these positions of such seniority. Um, but but yeah. I think she needs to work on her PR, if nothing else. 
<laughs> she needs to get a good PR person. Yes, she does. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, OK, all right, let's move away from this, because uh, as it is, I know I don't have you for, for too long. Um, and there's so many topics that I'd like to talk about, but we're not going to get to them. But you were going to tell me about this Armenian film review in Guardian, or maybe even the Armenian film. Um, I've not seen or read either. Um, what's all this about? Yes. So the Armenian Institute, the charity of which I'm a trustee, is hosting a film festival this um, month. Um, It's it's titled Spaces and Places, and it's exploring Armenian identities in film. We are partnered with Klasiki, um, who host, uh, who regularly host different um, film screenings um, and are very much focused on Soviet, post-Soviet films and films from the Caucasus. So we are partnered with Kasiki on this um, during this film festival, and we hosted our first screening last Tuesday at Cine Lumière at the Institut de Français, and um, it was reviewed by Peter Bradshaw at The Guardian. Uh, the film itself is called We Are Mountains. We are our mountains, and um, it's a um, it's a 1969. I double-check um and um it's it's a it's a, it's, the scene starts off with the film starts with um sort of snapshots of what's going on around the world in, in the late 60s you know uh, beatles mania and um football and you know all these sort of fun things that are happening around the world and then you get you get moved to this sort of countryside shot where everything's just very quiet and um you're introduced to these shepherds um, and and land workers, and then um, the story starts with you know these men accidentally kill this other man's sheep um, and have him for dinner. And um, when the yeah, when when the shepherd says, "Where is my sheep?" He says, "Oh, sorry, I didn't know." They pay him, and off he goes. But then a Soviet officer gets involved because he's informed of this theft, and he comes to the little village to investigate, and becomes quickly frustrated with the local people. Um, so anyway, it's a it's a beautiful film. It's it is considered one of I think the best films made. Um, however, I would argue that um, Parajanov's Color of Pomegranates, which we've screened as well in the past, is um, is 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 a much better film just in terms of um, story and so on. Okay, but I mean that's very artistic. Um, the Color of Pomegranates, um, from that's what it. I I recall of it. Yeah, it's a beautiful, I mean, Parajanov is a master. Um, so last year we did another, obviously we were during COVID, so it was all online. And then in fact, uh, Spaces and Places, uh, there are, um, you can access some of the films online if you're not around and you can't actually get to Cine Lumia. Some of them will be hosted at AI's offices. Some, there'll be another screening of some of our other films. And last year we did one on called Under Soviet Skies. And again, we host, we featured uh, various different um, films from not just Armenian, um, not just Armenian directors and writers, but um, uh, other other um, film uh, directors as well from around mm. 
Soviet Union. Well, mm. former okay. Soviet Union. Okay, I, mean, I think I've seen this one though, Main King Mir um, yes. In I, I, it's a black and white movie. It is one of the stars Sos Sarkisian by any chance? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I have seen it. Um, yeah, that that was quite interesting because that was the first ever sort of proper Armenian movie I saw. I was only 13 at the time, so I couldn't necessarily understand all of this, you know, the, the fine political and social undercurrents that were ongoing. But um, it, it was definitely quite well made, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, it's 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 a brilliant film. I mean, it's it's truly brilliant. Um, it. I I highly recommend it. You do not. There's subtitles. You do not need to speak Armenian to. Uh, to watch it, um, there are actually some beautiful films that were um, that were made during that era. You know, last year we featured um, we featured a piece of sky, um, burnt by the sun, um, the forgotten what is it? The forgotten shadow, shadow of forgotten ancestors, which is another Parajama film, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. Again, very colorful, very artistic in, in approach. And it is um, about the um, Ukrainian hood, and it sort of focuses on the Ukrainian Hutzel, um, uh people. So beautiful film. If you haven't seen it, I ca- I call it the um, the the Soviet answer to Wuthering Heights because it's about a, um, a it's a love story. Okay, interesting, interesting. That's a uh, high uh, praise indeed. Um, Okay. All right. And what about the Guardian review then? Um, how 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 what, what's the review like? It's four out of five. So it was a very Ooh. positive review. And so henceforth, you should all go and watch it. Mm, absolutely. Okay. We, and just, we made a joke that it should have been a five out of five, but I guess you know. <laughs> nothing's nothing's perfect, right? Nothing's perfect. Uh, okay. All right. Fair enough. That's an extremely positive note upon which to say adieu um, and because yeah, some of our previous topics were not necessarily so positive, um, but also we've managed to find a topic that we agreed upon in some way, which is quite funny, isn't it, Tatiana, today? You see, you see the arts yeah. bring people together. Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering what they were for. Um, good. Okay. All right. It's always a pleasure, Tatiana. We've I've now got like notes here for um, stuff that we're going to talk about next time. So we're going to have this debate about the market. Yeah. And um, yeah, your liberal sense and my my socialist <laughs> awareness um, to, to to define them in some way. Look, we'll um, come to the conclusion that I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. And we'll and you'll we'll go about our lives and you'll be a happier person knowing that. I'm going to leave this in and I'll let other people make their minds up on, on that. Um, but we'll have our debate. We'll have our debate and then we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll let the, um, yeah, we'll just let the, uh, what'd you say? I say, we'll, we'll just let things fall um, as they do. The runes, the, we'll, let, we'll let, I'll edit this shit out. We'll let the runes fall the room, as they yeah. will. And then we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. That, All right. that sounds, uh, that sounds, yeah, that will do that. Yeah. <laughs> all right Tatiana thank you very much for your time um and I truly wish you all the best um especially with the uh the World Ocean Initiative it sounds extremely important um and kick some petrochemical ass if you can <laughs> it's always a pleasure and um I hope the, the rest of the week goes well
two and a mic. Two, two, two.